Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Seamus. I want you to take your Bibles and I, your digital phones, or all phones are digital, uh, your smartphones, and I want you to turn to number 16. And I was in prayer this week, and I was just asking the Lord about this Sunday. Sometimes I'm in a series, sometimes it's Sunday to Sunday. And so this is one of those Sunday to Sundays. And I was asking the Lord, what is it that's on your heart that you want released this weekend? And I kept on hitting number 16. I could not get number 16 out of my head. It wasn't because I heard a sermon on it recently. It wasn't because it was on, someone was talking about it on the radio or whatever. It was just like the Lord brought to me number 16. And he brought to me the time when the phrase that Aaron stood between the living and the dead. And the Lord was speaking in my heart about who's going to stand between the living and the dead. And so I, I went over and I was checking out number 16 because number 16 is loaded. I mean, there's so much revelation in number 16. And so what I, I'm hoping to do this morning is to communicate my heart because I don't know how, I think I have an idea of where the Lord's going to land the plane. But the whole focus of what I want to bring to you this morning is that we have to engage the culture. We have to get involved in the world. Now, I'm not talk, talking about in a sinful way. I'm talking about engaging the culture to bring reconciliation. Even when we don't, uh, even, though we, even though we might be offended by the very culture God calls us to. So let's take a look at number 16. Let me try and paint a context because you know that's important to me. Is context. I know I'm not on the up there where the lights are, so hopefully you can see me. Because I'm going to be doing some moving around. Cool? Yes. Bless the person next to you. Say, God bless you. You're amazing. <laughs> Just keep practicing it. Yeah. So Moses, the Lord is actually, I got some lights. The Lord is actually developing and um, promoting Moses. Moses just took the children of Israel out of Egypt. And the Lord has made Moses the leader in the eyes of the people. And he has also assigned Aaron to be the high priest. And he's also, he's also taken the tribe of Levi and he is promoted them into a place where they were the ones who were taking care of the temple. They were taking care of the tent, the tent of meeting. And they were, they were there to govern all the Old Testament patterns that we see in Scripture, the altar, the incense, the Holy of Holies, all the things. So that was a Levite's responsibility. Well, there was an uprising that took place. This is not my focus. This is just context. There's an uprising that takes place with a guy named Korah. Everyone say Korah. We're going to have fun today, right? Korah. And the other, the other two dudes were uh, a guy named Dathan, not Nathan, and, and some, other, some other guy. I can't remember. Eliab or Elib or 
uh, Abiram, that's it, those three dudes. So they rise up against Moses, and let's just take a look at verse 2. And they rose up against Moses. With them, there were 250 men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. In other words, we're talking about these were upper-level leaders that the Lord promoted. So now they're rising up against Moses. They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, you have gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? Ooh. So they challenge Moses' authority, God-given authority, delegated authority, and because they wanted their own positions of power, and they really wanted to expand and do their own thing, so they challenged Moses' authority. And it says in verse 4, when Moses heard this, he fell face down. So the first thing about a good leader is that when they're opposed, they pray. When they are opposed, they fall on their face in humility because, oh, there's so many reasons. (laughs) Moses is going before the Lord and saying, please don't strike Korah for what he just did or what they're doing. So we're going to fast forward a little bit. Verse 12. So Moses and Aaron being challenged by Korah and Moses summons Dathan and Abiram, Abiram, I always get Old Testament names half right. The the sons of Eliab. Oh, anyway. So he summons them. Moses summons them. And, uh, but they said, we will not come. We're not going to come near you. Said, isn't it enough that you have brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the desert. That is an absolute slap in God's face because they were actually slaves for 400 years in Egypt and they're calling now Egypt the land that was flowing with milk and honey, which is the promise the Lord gave to the Israelites, I'm taking you out of Egypt and bringing you into a land flowing with milk and honey. And these leaders have the audacity to say that Egypt was the land flowing with milk and honey. He says, and out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the desert, and now you also want to lord it over us. Moreover, you haven't brought us into the land flowing with milk and honey or given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you gouge out the eyes of these men? No, we will not come. So there's this huge confrontation in front of the entire assembly, in front of the nation, between these Levites that are, I'm telling you, upper level, like it's almost like the cabinet, in the, in the United States government, these leaders are challenging Moses and they're challenging Aaron. And Moses is face down before the Lord. And they actually have a 
showdown. I'll just say that. It's a censor showdown. And the 250 people that rose up against Moses and against Aaron lose the battle. And so it says in verse 31, it says, as soon as he finished saying all this, the ground under them split apart and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them. With their households and all Korah's men and all his possessions, verse 33, they went down alive into the grave. With everything they owned, the earth closed over them and they perished and were gone from the community. Can everyone say like, wow? So there were, they were stuck in the wilderness. They were getting, they were getting uh, impatient. They went ahead, rallied against Moses, and they rallied against Aaron. They had 250 against two, but they didn't recognize that the Lord was with Moses and Aaron. And so they took it to the extreme. Moses falls face down before the Lord. He's probably asking the Lord to spare them. They were obstinate. They bumped up against spiritual leadership. And what happened was that the ground opens up. And I, I mean, I don't even know if I can even imagine this. Like in the motion pictures, like how can they do this visually today? Easily, probably. The ground opens up. These guys that challenged Moses and Aaron, they fall into the ground, they fall, it opens up, and not only are the men swallowed up, but their entire families and all their possessions, and then the ground goes. <laughs> but Moses and Aaron don't get bitter toward the assembly. Moses and Aaron don't become embittered and resentful toward the people God delivered. They kept their hearts right, though they were betrayed. Right? So, these 250, verse, 30, verse 35, then fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering the incense. Not a good day for the 250. Verse 41, the next day, everyone say that, the next day, you just witnessed 250 people and their families, the next day, the whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Were they blessing Moses and Aaron? They were cursing Moses and Aaron. And you'll, we'll see a pattern, if you read the Bible in a year, if you go through the Old Testament, that Israel grumbled a lot. And so do we. 
Thank you for the blood of Jesus where the wrath of God was poured out. Come on now. The next day, the whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Quote, you have killed the Lord's people, they said. But then, when the assembly, verse 42, but then when the assembly gathered in opposition, so not only did they grumble, they gathered. So the grumbling actually came into a gathering, a gathering of grumblers before Moses and Aaron, and the day before, they lost 250 plus people. The day before. Talk about taking some time to actually learn something. But when the assembly gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron and turned toward the tent of meetings, meeting, suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron went to the front of the tent of meeting. The cloud, when it drops on the tent of meeting, is a beckoning call that the Lord just showed up. And everybody was looking at that tent of meeting that was actually a bit outside the camp. They would travel and set the tent of meeting up. The cloud comes down and Moses and Aaron step to that because that is familiar territory for Moses and Aaron, the high priest. Then Moses and Aaron went to the front of the tent of meeting and the Lord said to Moses, get away from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. And they both fell face down. Let me just read the, let me just go to the end and then give you some thoughts and then we're gonna, we're gonna pray together. Then Moses said to Aaron, take your censer and put incense in it along with the fire from the altar and hurry to the assembly to make atonement for them. Wrath has come out from the Lord. The plague has started. So Aaron did as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly. And the plague had already started among the people. But Aaron offered the incense and made atonement for them. He stood between the living and the dead. And the plague stopped. But 14,700 people died from the plague. In addition to those who had died because of Korah. Then Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And the plague had stopped. Isn't that sobering? It's really quiet in here. It's really a good message. 
it's really going to encourage you because right now you don't feel too encouraged. <laughs> I can feel it in the room. What does it take to unconditionally love people? Let's go back up to verse, I think, 42. But the assembly gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron and turned toward the tent of meeting. Suddenly the cloud covered and the glory of the Lord appeared. It starts at the tent of meeting. It starts with communion with Jesus. And Moses and Aaron went to the front of the tent of meeting and the Lord said to Moses, get away from the assembly so I can put an end to them at once. Moses had every legal right to do what the Lord said. I think it's pretty, it's pretty audacious that Moses and Aaron did not leave. They stayed. Instead of leaving, they actually fall face down before the Lord, both of them. Because though they were offended, and though these people were actually wanting to kill them, they still took their place of intercession and love and devotion to not step out of the assembly, but to actually put their face down in front of the assembly. And though the world might not deserve it, and though the world might curse God, it's still our responsibility to put our face down in front of God and plead for mercy. So there they are. Their faces are face down before the Lord in humility and in a time of intercession. And Moses says to Aaron, take the censer and put incense in it along with the fire from the altar and hurry to the assembly to make, the ato make atonement for them because wrath has come out from the Lord. So what's going on? Well, there they are, right? I didn't have any plans to do this. I just do things. There they are, face down. I mean, probably fully prostrate. Face down before the Lord, and Moses turns. He must have heard something. He turns to Aaron, and he says, bro, go get the censer. Because the wrath of the Lord is breaking out. Now, Aaron had a choice. He could have said, if I go, they're going to kill me. He could have said, I've been hurt. I've been offended. They're doing wrong. They deserve everything that's coming to them. Everything that's coming to them. And Moses is going to say, he's going to say, hey, but Aaron, you're the high priest. He could have said, yeah, I'm the high priest, but the Lord told me to stay here. No, I'm the high priest, I'm the high priest, I'm the high priest, I'm the high priest. Because the priesthood is all about mediation. And Jesus being the great high priest, 
was the one that was suspended between heaven and earth as the mediator between God and man so that we can have relationship and be in this building today. So there's Aaron and there's Moses face down and I want you to, I just want you to pick up the drama for a moment. They're face down. I don't know if the Lord spoke to Moses. I don't know if the Lord's saying the play's gonna break out among these people. I don't know, the, the text is silent. But somehow, Moses knew God enough to know that there's a plague that's gonna be released and Aaron, I want you to go get the censer and I want you to go ahead and put some coals on it, put some incense on it, and I want you to hurry to the middle of that assembly between the living and the dead, and I want you to censor the atmosphere. If you don't know what a censor is, a censor is something that the high priest had, and that's when they, on the Day of Atonement, the one day a year, the Day of Atonement, they would walk in before the Ark of the Covenant, the only time they can go in, and they would literally be tied around, there would be a, a rope tied around their ankle, because if they weren't right with God, they would fall dead right in front of the ark and they would just go ahead and pull them out. So there, were, there was robes that, there was a robe that had bells around it, like around the robe. And so they knew that the high priest had fallen when they heard all the clashing taking place. That was the high priest, that was Aaron's job. To go in once a year is called the day of atonement. It means to cover. So he would go and he would take in, he would go ahead and they would sprinkle the blood on the Ark of the Covenant and that was the covering that was for the people. Obviously Jesus is the atoning work of, of, of God in the fact that he poured his blood out for us, right? And his, his blood is atoning constantly for our sin. Come on, man. So there he is. So here they are, the people that wanted to kill him, the people that he, was, they, that he could have been offended towards, the people who wrongfully accused him, the people that were against them. Moses falls face down and he says, it's not about the people, it's about, it's about the mercy of God. Aaron, would you go ahead, run, grab that censer that is rightfully yours as the high priest. What does Aaron have to do? I don't know where the, I don't know where the, the censer was. I'm assuming it was close. So Aaron runs, he grabs the censer, and he goes ahead, he has to go to the, the place where the animals are offered as a sacrifice. He has to take the coals there. The plague's going on over here. Then he has to get incense. They grab the, he has to get two fists of, in, of incense, if, if I read right. And he has to take them, and he actually puts the incense on the coals in the censer. And he takes the censer and he literally has to go back and forth. And this is how they made atonement. Incense is intercession. We see the incense taking place even now in heaven, right? Revelation chapter four and five, where it says the prayers of the saints are as incense. It's where we get the, the whole idea of harp and bowl because there's the incense that are burning in heaven before the Lord, it's happening even now in the New Testament. Yes. 
So Moses tells Aaron, go. Get yourself in the midst of the assembly. Hurry. A plague's breaking out. So Aaron has to go do what he has to do. He has to get the censer, you know, and what's going through Aaron's mind? Why am I doing this? This is crazy. Oh, yeah, I'm the high priest. I don't even know if this was the Day of Atonement. Don't know. So he goes ahead. He gets the, he gets the coals. He gets the incense. And he makes his way, it says in Scripture, he makes his way into the midst, the midst of the assembly. The high priest was forbidden to be near a dead body. So there was a risk of contamination. And if you were a high priest and you were contaminated by being near a dead body, I'm sure there's a Levitical law that would not be in favor of you. But he ran the risk of contamination so that he could actually save and rescue the assembly. Not only was the fear of contamination, which actually was the Levitical law, there was also the fear of infection because the plague had broken out. What kind of plague? I don't know. So the, the scripture says in verse 48 that Aaron stood between the living and the dead. Aaron had to run to the altar on behalf of the lost and grab the coals, the fire from the altar to put in the censer. Also, Aaron had to grab the incense that would rise to the Lord to grant mercy on behalf of a nation that despised him. On behalf of a rebellious people, he ministered reconciliation. Our job is not to curse people or even curse a people. The curse fell on Christ at the cross. Our job is to carry the fire of God that is burning in the altar of our hearts and place it on top and place on top of it the incense of intercession as God's government on earth. This is all about not doing churchy things and being ecclesia. This is about actually governing from our rightful position as a royal priesthood. While the church might say, settle back, let God do it. Let's not get involved. Let's not get out in the midst of our culture. Let's, do, let's, let's, let's just kind of tuck ourselves back and let God do it. Moses thought a little bit differently. He knew it was up to him. Somehow he must have known he had God's blessing. And he sends Aaron as a high priest in the middle of a plague. Are you guys around? Are you guys okay? So Aaron 
runs into the middle of the assembly because the plague had started. We cannot be timid with our friends, our co-workers, who are facing a Christless eternity. Love compels us to burn passionately for Jesus and pray earnestly for mankind. What motivated Aaron? Obedience or love? I think it was love. Why? Because they were not Egyptians, they were Israelites. It was his people. You know what, when someone in the church burns you, you still move in love. You still cry out to God. This is, what I'm, this is kind of what, what I've been wrestling with for the last six months. What does ecclesia mean? How do we flesh it out? How am I supposed to live this thing? It means carry the fire of God and the prayers and run to the plague as a priest. Pretty quiet. You guys all right? Aaron risked, risked his place of high priesthood because a high priest, again, was forbidden to be near a dead body so he risked contamination. He put his position on the line because he loved and was compelled by love. Aaron risked infection due to the plague that had broken out against Israel. Aaron, again, verse 48, stands between the living and the dead. As Aaron was the solution for Israel, we are the solution for the world. Daily, we stand as living altars of God's presence in lifting up the incense of intercession on behalf of those who don't know Christ. Aaron leaves the tent of meeting to stand with God's censor in the midst of an assembly because it has to be intimacy, then ministry. In verse 50, he actually goes back to the tent of meeting. So he leaves the place of presence to carry the presence to the plague. So it started at the tent of meeting and it ends at the tent of meeting. From intimacy, we're challenged to stop plagues in our society. You have the authority because of Christ being in you to stop the plague. Half of understanding 
really half of the body being the ecclesia is understanding who they are and believing it. So let me conclude. Believe it or not, I'm concluding. I'm going to have the worship team come on up. That'll be one of my shortest sermons. 35 minutes. Was it 35 minutes? I'm not done yet, though. You know how Paul concluded. You ever read the New Testament? And in conclusion, it's three more chapters. Let me just read this to you. I have it in my, I have my, for some reason, I have my jumbo iPad today. I felt my eyes were a little bit too strained with that one. Who will go out with the fire of God on the altars of their heart and run into the plague, which represent the broken, the lost, those who know better, those who defy you, those who defy Christ, those who defy his church. The plague is going on in people's lives. The plague that's going on in people's lives does not need to continue. The plagues in families, in friendships, do not need to continue. The plague in our schools, the workplace, the marketplace, business centers, our government, education does not need to continue. The plague of prostitution and corruption and abortion and addiction and trafficking does not need to continue. The plague of secret sins, envy, jealousy, Deception, retaliation, gossip, and hopelessness does not need to continue. The plague of overdose, suicides, murders, rapes, beatings are all plagues that do not need to continue. It all starts in the heart. The real plague begins in the heart of humanity. Does it not? And God is the one who actually came to heal the brokenhearted. And the finished work of Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for the people that God has put in your life. So I believe this morning, God is looking, afternoon, God is looking for errands who will say, I might not be trained enough, I might not be skilled enough, I'm not perfect, but I am forgiven. I have God's love burning in my heart, and I'm going to be an answer to the plague that surrounds me. At some point, we have to quit cursing the darkness and be a light. At some point, we got to quit complaining and offer something to somebody. 
And I know in this house, there are many who are offering people. Plenty, because I hear your testimonies. But can we ramp it up again? Can we say that God has positioned us to step past our, even our offenses? Because this is actually happening in the church. Because this was the Lord's people that rose up against Moses and Aaron. But can we, can we ramp up past our offenses and love people anyway? Can we bring these censers that are filled with the fire of God and the, the incense of intercession and step into the center aisles of our buildings and offer mercy when we're offended? Can we love the world in such a way that we bring redemption, that we actually mediate between heaven and earth? Are you guys alive? It's the priest's responsibility to carry the fire of God and the incense of our intercession into the plague. That's why Moses couldn't send anybody else. He had to send Aaron because Aaron was the priest and only priests can mediate. First Peter chapter two, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What does that mean? That means that we function as priests. Hebrews says that Jesus is the great high priest. What does that mean? That means that in the New Testament, it says we are ministers of reconciliation. What does that mean? That means he has given us the authority to move into plagues and bring light. That means that he's given us a key. And that key is the authority of heaven that he purchased when he went through the gates of Hades and he grabbed the keys and he's taken those keys and he's put them here and now he has all authority and he's delegated authority to you and I. So we have to stop thinking that we can't make a difference and start believing that we can. I want to encourage us, do not be intimidated by the darkness. It only takes one flick of a switch to remove darkness from a room. And for some reason, I believe the Lord is unwrapping this, not just, not just here, but other places that it's not arrogance to understand your authority. Moses did not, Moses could have said, I don't want to, I don't want to move in that, in this arrogance thing, so I'm not going to talk to Aaron. No, he releases the word to Aaron. Aaron is not a young man. He's running into the plague. Why? Because he has authority to do so. So he functions in his authority and the scripture says the plague ends. We are the salt of the earth. No, we say amen, but do we really believe it? Salt is a, salt not only helps us with our taste, but it's a preserve, isn't it? That's what it is. 
You know, and the world is all about like Christians and all this kind of stuff. Listen, it could be a lot worse if, the, if believers weren't here because we're preserving the planet. So let's stand. Let me just kind of wrap it up here. But I do want to pray for several people who I felt like the Lord was highlighting. Like Isaiah, who was willing to allow God to put the coals of fire from the altar on his lips and say, here I am, send me. Who's willing to run into the midst of the plague and change the world? And as a symbolic gesture, I would invite you, if you're feeling that stirring, then I would invite you to leave the place where you're standing, just like Aaron left the, the place where he was face down at the tent of meeting and he ran to the plague, I would invite you to leave your chair and come to the front of the building and simply saying, I wanna, I wanna rise up like Aaron did. And I'm gonna bring the sensor of God's presence and intercession into my world that God has assigned me to. And we just wanna cry out for our, for our region, cry out for our neighborhoods. I wanna cry out for our nation. I want us to believe that God is birthing something inside of us. We wanna see people saved, healed, and delivered. So as a prophetic act, I'm asking for errands to rise up in this tent of meeting. And by coming to the front of the building saying, I want to be used by God to minister reconciliation and run to plagues. I want to run, I'm looking for plagues <laughs> because I have the solution. And I'm not going to allow this any longer on my shift. This is our shift. This is our shift. This is our responsibility. It's not Smith Wigglesworth's responsibility. It's not John G. Lake's responsibility. It's not, you know, Amy Simple McPherson's responsibility. This is our responsibility. This is our shift. So as the worship team leads us, why don't you go ahead and just, just cry out, let's just cry out to God together. Let's believe the Lord for our nation. Let's believe, the, and the Lord might put something on your heart I don't know what that might be. It might be abortion. It might be corruption. It might be something that the Lord might be calling you to. I feel like the Lord's calling people to certain things that the Lord has anointed you specifically to go into those dark places and bring the censor of a God's atoning work. So let's go ahead. Just go ahead. You just talk to the Lord. We'll just go ahead. Let's begin to pray. Come on. It's time to govern. It's time to govern. It's time to govern.
We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.